today's uh, final session and the C1 conference. Today's presentation is all about uh, fraud prevention. And again, let me introduce myself. My name is Sultan Hassaniyi. I'm a certified fraud examiner. I'm a podcaster, an anti-fraud educator, and trainer. Currently, I work as a training and education director at ACFE Lebanon chapter. And before we commence uh, today's presentation, I need to add a little couple of ideas on what my colleague Serge had mentioned about the CFE credentials. As you know, fraud is an evolving and a spreading virus that spreads all around the organizations worldwide and the organization needs to protect itself. So they hire certified fraud examiners or CFEs, known as CFEs, like me and many of, uh, many of you here on the call uh, to safeguard their businesses from fraud, uh, from fraud's devastating impact. CFEs are trained, are trained professionals who possess a unique set of diverse skills in preventing detecting and investigating fraud. Uh, and you've learned, you're gonna learn a lot of things within the process of preparing for the CFE credentials, such as knowledge of complex financial transactions, understanding and understanding investigating techniques and legal issues, ability to resolve allegations of fraud, designing effective anti-fraud programs, and that's something important that we're gonna talk about in a bit. For more information, please feel free to contact us and reach out to, our, to, the, to all ACFE Lebanon uh, chapter uh, board members. Uh, and I highly recommend to keep an eye on our social media platforms, as Serge had mentioned. I would definitely share all the contact details by the end of the session, so please uh, stay tuned uh, till the end. Some housekeeping items before I start. Please, I would like everyone to keep their microphones muted at all times and kindly do not interrupt the sequence of the session. All the answers for all the questions will be provided within the presentation. And if I still didn't answer your question, kindly have it written within the chat box in front of you. Uh, I thank everyone for the cooperation and understand. Okay, professionals, let's start and kick off our session for today. And as you can see on the screen, today's presentation, it's titled as the anti-fraud vaccine. We're going to talk about building an effective fraud prevention strategy. Fraud prevention has come a long way for the past 20 years and more. And yes, corporate executives acknowledge that the fact, acknowledge the fact that fraud prevention is critical, is important, and is crucial for the long-term existence of the company. The concept of preventing fraud is more than just a good business practice. It is a requirement. And if it's not a requirement by a management, it's required by, it's required by legislative bodies in all the countries your, com your companies operate in. So let's all agree that if, if the company wants to comply with, uh, with those frameworks and with those laws and regulations, we need to create a solid fraud detection and we need to create a proactive investigative response plan. To build this state-of-art uh, fraud prevention strategy, that requires a lot of effort that ensures integrity, transparency, uh, honest reporting, and culture of compliance. Now you'll ask me, Sultan, how do we build this culture that you're talking about? My answer is very simple. It's through creating a solid, effective fraud prevention strategy. And that's the topic of the, of the day. Today's presentation will be divided basically into two main parts. 
In the first part, I'm going to be focusing on a strategy, anti-fraud strategy. On the second part, I'm going to be focusing on the prevention program. Okay, I'm going to move forward. You still can see uh, the whole sc the, the screen? Can yes. someone yeah. confirm? Okay. Okay. I'll, okay, thank you for that. Thank you for confirming. Uh, I think we all agree on the fact that fraud never takes a break. And if there is one thing we all know is that fraudsters, fraudsters will never take a vacation. And the economic and reputational toll of fraud on our organization's level, on individual level, is not, is not any different today from that happened in the past. And fraud continues to happen every day, every minute, every second, in different magnitudes all around the world. And it is very naive from us to think that we can totally prevent corporate scandals from happening, from, like those happened in the past, happening from happening now. So what we can do is learn from those corporate scandals that happened long time ago and learn from them in a way to create a more strong immune system that makes sure that we are safe if we are attacked by the fraud virus. As you can see on the screen, I'll be highlighting the famous corporate scandals that happened in the past 20 years from 2001 till 2020. And we'll definitely start with the most uh, common and favorite one for me, especially the 2001 Enron scandal. So what exactly had happened in the Enron scandal? Enron executives used fraudulent accounting practices to inflate companies' revenues and hide debt in its subsidiaries. And at that time, the SEC, or what's known as the, the United States Security and Exchange Commission, and even credit rating agencies and investment banks were accused with ne ne negligence uh, and participating and outright deception and participating in this scandal, which, which made the Enron scandal was one of the most famous scandals in the early 2000s. And guess who was the whistleblower of the Andron scandal? She was a lady called Sharon, Sharon, uh, Sharon Watkins. And I advise and recommend everyone to look more into this scandal. Sharon Watkins, and also she is known as the Andron whistleblower, had served as a vice president, vice president back in Andron, has said a very famous quote. And I quote unquote from her, Problems usually happen in successful times. I'm gonna repeat. Problems usually happen in successful times. And that was the case for Enron Corporation. And it's worth mentioning here that Enron was named by Fortune Magazine as one of the most innovative companies in the United States for six consecutive years from year 1996 till year 2001 where the corporate scandal was exposed at Enron. So we need to keep an eye and we need to learn from such a scandal. Let's move forward to year 2002 with the famous WorldCom, as it's the same kind of story where there is a similar scheme with a financial manipulation by the CEO and number of the executives within the company. I'll move forward to everyone's uh, favorite, and uh, also my colleague Serge had uh, highlighted him a while ago, Mr. Madoff, the one and only. 
uh, that with his very interesting fraud scandal that happened back in 2009. Madoff is really a mastermind. He's a mastermind behind what is known as the biggest investment fraud in the history of United States, ripping off tens of, tens of thousands of people of a total of 65 billion, 65 billion with a B, dollars from people all around the world. He passed away back in April 2021, but he was serving a 150-year prison sentence because of his scheme. Investigators say that he defrauded more than 37,000 people in more than 136 countries all around the world. And it's not only for one year or two years, it's for 40 years. Let me enrich your general knowledge and uh, add uh, to your general knowledge, I mean, uh, a couple of names uh, who were celebrities and they were victims of the Madoff uh, scandal. Of the Madoff scandal. And please unmute Okay. So uh, one of the famous, or a couple of the famous celebrities or known people that were victims of Madoff scandal were the, was the director, Steven Spielberg. Also actor, Kevin Bacon, the Nobel Prize winner, Elie Wiesel. To be honest, I wasn't, I'm not really surprised. Uh, as my colleague also Serge had mentioned, we're all, we all can be victims to fraud. We need to keep our eyes open and we're all not immune to fraud. So as I always mention, and I always say all around, we need to keep our eyes open. Here, uh, a side note uh, I want to mention, and I want to also recommend again, please watch on Netflix, the, the, streaming, uh, the streaming platform, the, uh, the, the, the documentary about Madoff. It's really amazing. You learn more about how this corporate scandal had shook the business world and you'll learn more about how he had uh, const, uh, how he had managed this uh, scandal for for tens of years okay i'll move forward to 2012 with the famous uh, user privacy facebook scandal where data privacy become be, became at that point of time the hot topic uh, and it's also known as the cambridge uh, Analytica case. Some people know it as that. I'm going to call it the Facebook, the Facebook scandal. Uh, what is the Cambridge Analytica case? Facebook had uh, leaked data, had leaked data for all its users to third parties. And one of the third parties was this company. It's called Cambridge Analytica. Uh, because of this leakage of the, of those, uh, those uh, uh, valuable uh, valuable uh, data, Meta is Meta is gonna pay more than seven hundred and twenty-five million dollars to settle legal actions uh, against this data breach. That's kind of a fraud, and I think Rudy earlier uh, today had talked more about cyber crimes and uh, things related. So that's really major. Moving forward. I'm gonna talk uh, about the 2014 famous GM uh, faulty ignition switch scandal, 
where GM had recalled more than 80,000 small cars she had manufactured or they had manufactured back in, back in the years. All those 800,000 cars had problems in their engines where, where when the vehicle was in motion, it turned off automatically. And that prevented the airbags from inflating. What were the, what were the outcomes of this scandal? 124 people died. $120 million was paid as settlements for claims from dozens from dozens of states back in the United back in the US. It's really major. Fraud hurts in many different ways. It just affects us. So please, please keep an eye open, as I always say. Let's move forward to 2016. 2016, it's the famous uh, Wells Fargo scandal. It's one of the most interesting fraud cases, to be honest, where a telephone salesman at Wells Fargo had created millions of fake customer accounts. And uh, guess what? They created 2.1 million fake accounts for existing customers without their consent between year 2011 to the year 2015, and just for one reason, to meet sky-high sales goals. Wells Fargo had paid more than $185 million in fines and penalties to settle those uh, cases. Now I'm gonna move forward to the one and only, the famous uh, Forbes cover uh, 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 fraudster, Elizabeth Holmes. And I think we're all uh, familiar with her face and with, with her scandal. For those who don't know, in 2018, a company called Atheranos, it's a, health, it's a healthcare startup that sold blood test kits that were fake. It was sold uh, by this company in an aim that, uh, this, uh, that this kit will be a, revolution, a revolutionary uh, solution in the world of blood testing. But all those was false. All those claims were false. And uh, Mrs. Holmes, I think last week I was, I'm reading the news about her, I'm following her, her case. Uh, she tried to flee to Mexico, but they caught her, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it, it is one of the most amazing fraud cases that uh, keeps your eyes, uh, that makes us, makes us uh, uh, dazzled and like uh, surprised, like how people just understood, understand fraud and how we should look into things more deeper and uh, make sure that we don't fall for such uh, uh, frauds. To be honest, uh, uh, it's one of my, my favorite uh, cases lately. Okay, I'll move forward to 2020 uh, with the famous Airbus bribery scandal. And I think a lot of uh, the attendees at, at the conference are internal auditors. Guess who exposed this, uh, this, uh, this scandal? It's the internal audit department. And this scandal demonstrates the importance of business internal controls. And because of internal audit, it was able, the internal audit department was able to, to, uh, to avoid losses for, Air, for Airbus for around $8 billion. And that's as per, as per sources. 
uh, that's really amazing. Internal audit plays a major role in the company, and we need to give them, we need to give value for this department. Uh, and they play a, an, a major role in fighting fraud internally and externally. Okay, enough fraud stories for now, and let's and enough talking about fraudsters and their games. Let's move forward uh, to a different topic, uh, which uh, which I really I really I really like, which is building building fraud prevention strategies. Uh, fraud prevention is very important, and to build an effective fraud prevention strategy, we need to be doing the following. We need to make sure that it's a requirement. I'll give you an example. Back in the US, they had created several frameworks such as the Sarbanes-Oxley uh, Act or what's known as SOX. They created the Dodd-Frank whistleblower provisions. They created the COSO ERM frameworks and many other local uh, regulations and laws. In our part of the world, which is, I'm talking about Middle East, Arab countries, there are similar efforts that have been invested in creating such guidelines and tightening the regulatory requirements and adapting to kind of forms of those international frameworks. There are a lot of efforts and that's for one reason, to increase accountability and to increase the oversight. This means that every organization, public or private, must have zero tolerance towards fraud of whatever kind. And the traditional way of fraud risk management based on a checklist mentality is never a winning strategy for fighting fraud. In my experience, outstanding companies that view compliance to laws and regulations and, and frameworks is an opportunity. And this opportunity will create a strong fraud prevention strategy and a solid internal control system that will ultimately give the company a competitive advantage in this very risky environment we are living in. Moving forward, uh, and after listening to all those stories that I have shared of those famous fraud scandals I have shared a while ago, we need to ask ourselves, how can we protect ourselves? How can we increase our internal immunity against the fraud virus? And the biggest question that I'm gonna discuss today is why do we need to invest in an effective anti-fraud prevention strategy and program? Well, let me tell you. Well, let me tell you why you need to invest in such a program and in such a strategy. We need to do that for, for many reasons. Let me start with the cost. Most incidents of fraud and corruption have caused far too much by time they are discovered. If they are discovered by accident, by hint through a whistleblower or a tip by whistleblower, or when the company collapses, at that time the cost is very. At that time the cost is very high. On the other aspect, let's talk about time. The longer the fraud is allowed to run undetected, the larger the losses, which will accumulate on the company. And we all agree on that. That's very logical. I'll give you a very simple example. Imagine you have a manager who has gambling issues and he starts stealing relatively small amounts each week and that goes undetected. Those losses can easily build up over a number of years and become millions and millions of dollars. Trust me, it's like a snowball that grows bigger and bigger and you cannot control it. 
For the third reason, why do you need to invest uh, uh, in such an effective preventive strategy and program? It's because, because of such scandals I have mentioned earlier, stakeholders now are more aggressive and are more aware of fraud risk. And they are questioning senior management and top management of why there have been losses in their companies because of fraud and why they didn't detect it earlier and why don't they put efforts in preventing and mitigating this important risk. So here, stakeholders are playing an important role. And if you're a decision maker, make sure to keep an eye on fraud risk. Fourth reason, more monitoring and detection. Monitoring and detection is becoming more of a legal requirement in organizations, wherever they operate in whatever country you are in, because it is a requirement, because it is a need, because it is a must. Without it, you're gonna face a lot of problems. Although uh, those frameworks might be sophisticated in some countries, but still complying to, to those frameworks will definitely help you, uh, definitely help you in the fight against fraud. The fifth reason, which is something which is obvious, and it's the, based on the famous quote, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Proactive detection is one of the best forms of prevention. Proactive detection. It's not just detection alone. Proactive detection. Please, please, please. I'm going to highlight proactive. You need to be proactive. You need to be proactive, not reactive. Last reason, but not least, is that frauds will always teach us what are the loopholes, what are the weaknesses within our internal processes, how our companies sometimes overlook cycles and functions, and it will give us the needed attention. It will give us uh, kind of hints and needed attention into such uh, weak points in our companies. I've just mentioned six reasons that I do believe are more than enough to convince you to invest in an effective anti-fraud prevention strategy and program. You need to work on that, trust me. Being proactive is very important than being reactive. And what makes both the strategy and the program effective are different elements. I will highlight a lot of them in a bit, just stay tuned with me. But it's worth mentioning that having a highly experienced fraud examiner, forensic accountants that understand reasons behind why people commit fraud is very important. And here I need to highlight the importance of holding the CFE credentials. It will provide you with all the skills and expertise and the knowledge needed to face such a virus. We need to stay up to date with the world of fighting fraud in order to integrate the best practices into our companies, into those strategies, into those anti-fraud programs. It's always about adding new strategies to the existing fraud prevention toolkits. We need to update that. We can't stay in the year 1990. We cannot stay in, 19, in, the, in the 2000s. We, have, we are in 2023. We need to get up to date. As I know, many companies out there has not put even a single effort into this. And they will gonna pay, they are going to pay a very high price tag because of ignoring fraud risk. Trust me, you need to change your mindset when it comes to fraud risk. 
Okay, as I've mentioned earlier, the presentation will be focusing on two aspects, the strategy and the program. I'm gonna start now talking about the strategy. Uh, uh, on this slide, you're gonna find six major aspects of the strategy. As you can see, they are uh, highlighted and, uh, and written in bold. What you can see on the screen is recommended effective strategies. And what I'm gonna talk right now is how we usually do the typical way of, of dealing, of the decision makers dealing with those aspects within the anti-fraud strategy. And I'm gonna give you the recommended strategy for having a more effective anti-fraud strategy, which is mentioned on your screen. Corporate fraud is definitely one of the greatest unmanaged commercial risk of the day. And many executives agree that it is so damaging and they need to protect themselves from this killing virus and implementing extensive corporate governance and complying with major control frameworks alone isn't enough. We need an anti-fraud strategy. Side note, despite the regular reviews that is done by internal auditors, external auditors, lawyers, uh, risk managers, uh, audit committees, executives, non-executives, and despite also of the very complicated legislations and frameworks and the continuous creations of initiatives in fighting fraud and, uh, and, and implementing good governance, we still need to have all those components mixed together in creating an effective anti-fraud strategy. And that's the only solution. You will ask me now, are those the six major aspects? I'm gonna tell you, yes, those are the six major aspects that all decision makers and companies need to look at to have an effective anti-fraud strategy. I'm gonna start uh, with, the, uh, first, uh, with the first aspect, it's the tone at the top. And typically, or traditionally, what do we do? We only focus on corporate governance alone, based on, historic, based on historical losses, based on information from the, from the past. We never look on the present and we never look into the future. So what is recommended is to set the tone from top down with a, with a professional code of conduct and a clear fraud policy that addresses those risks, especially fraud risk. The tone at the top needs to be top down and not opposite. The second aspect is understanding the risk. And usually what we do in our typical traditional way is that we focus on audits that ensures that controls are in place and that's it. And if we're gonna do this extra step, we do a very generic risk fraud risk assessment. And it's even not a fraud risk assessment, a very general risk assessment, and even on a macro level. This is the traditional way. And that doesn't help within the strategy at all. What is required from everyone on the call and from those decision makers on the call is to create a detailed understanding of the potential methods of job of fraud, of fraud by job functions, by cycles, by departments, by companies, by countries. You need to work on micro level and you need to include those executive directors, those senior managers, those stories that I've mentioned a while ago those are fraudsters. They are executive directors. They are senior managers. Don't go look at the uh, employees. Don't go look at the storekeepers. Go focus on your top management. Go focus on your senior managers. Hold them accountable. You need to understand what kinds of risk 
they might you as a company might might face might face because of those uh, managers because if they had a misconduct and you didn't see it coming it's because of you it's your fault moving forward reducing the risk we do it what's the traditional way of doing uh, the risk reduction is implementing controls in a very generic way and that will never help we need to implement preventive controls for specific methods of fraud we need to analyze what kinds of fraud we are riskier and at our company at this job at this job function at this department at this level and based on those risks we need to create controls to mitigate them we need to factor fraud risk effect in our strategic business decision because you cannot anymore neglect the fact of that fraud risk exists and its losses is major the fourth uh, point that i'm going to talk about is monitoring and detecting red flags we only detect red flags in certain areas or through tips through whistleblowers and we don't detect it on a whole organization level here we need to train and i'm reading on the screen we need to train all our staff to identify early warning signs because those whistleblowers and those trained staff that knows how to detect red flags will give you valuable information and will make for sure uh, avoid you huge losses. The second point I'm gonna recommend is creating a proactive detection strategy. We need to be proactive. I'm highlighting proactive today so much. Please be proactive, don't be reactive. The fifth component or the, the fifth uh, uh, aspect of the anti-fraud strategy within its traditional uh, uh, context is always a reactive response to any fraud case that happens in our companies. However, what is recommended, and I'm reading on the screen right now, is to create a response plan. And we need to create an incident management team because I know a lot of companies that don't have any kind of response plan if a fraud happened in their company. And I know a lot of companies and you're all here and you know that you don't have this plan and you don't have a specific incident management team to, to manage the fraud in case it happened. So that's very important. That's part of the anti-fraud strategy. You need to focus on that. The last thing uh, in the anti-fraud strategy, it's enhancing resistance. And enhancing resistance in the typical, in the traditional and typical uh, way of thinking, it's only mapping the processes and measuring the effectiveness of the controls. That's not enough. We need to measure the resistance of, of our controls towards certain risks. And one of the most important risks are fraud. We need to simulate, we need to always create hypotheses and theories. What if this happened? Do we have the control for it? Are we resistant to this kind of risk? It's not only checking what we have. We need to know what is there out there and we need to know if that risk out there, are we immune towards it? That's how we enhance your resistance. I think those are six important aspects in the anti-fraud strategy. Please keep them in your mind, uh, focus on them, consider them as part of your discussions 
as you decision makers out there, consider them as important points, part of your anti-fraud strategy, effective anti-fraud strategy. Moving forward, I'm gonna talk about the second part. We finished part one, which is strategy. Now we're gonna talk about the anti-fraud prevention program. Now, uh, as you can see on the screen, in my opinion, uh, the fraud program is one of the most important parts uh, of fighting fraud. You need to keep in mind that having an effective prevention framework includes those three vital components, fraud education, fraud investigation, and fraud prevention. Please never forget those three words, education, investigation, and prevention. The educational component will offer employees the opportunity to learn about fraud, how to identify it, how to report it. The investigation uh, part, which is number two, will focus on taking action, will focus on taking action, will focus on the internal controls that failed, will focus on employees that committed fraud, will focus on employees that are trying to conceal the fraud. And the third part, which is the most important part, it's the prevention. The prevention part is the most significant and needs a lot of effort from everyone in the company, up, down. And here, this part is aimed to assess the company's risks. It's aimed to assess and evaluate the controls, the internal controls, the procedures implemented. This part is major and will help you a lot understand how to fight fraud. Putting those three components together, management are required to design SOPs or what's known as uh, procedures and policies that specifically address and specifically address and mitigate the fraud risk in the organization. After doing all that, at this point, we can say that you have created an effective solid fraud prevention strategy and program. All three components that you are seeing now on the screen should be together. You cannot eliminate any part of the program because if you eliminate one of them, this framework that I'm currently talking about is useless. Keep in mind that to have a most effective fraud prevention program, it's not a one-time project. It's a work in process project. You need to always meet and talk about this program. You need to update it to face all the new business challenges, to face all the new business risks the companies, your companies are facing. It requires an ongoing work as the company needs to keep monitoring the effectiveness of their strategies and program. So it's never a one-time thing. It's a continuous job. Okay, now what I'm gonna do in the, in the uh, coming uh, couple of uh, slides, I'm gonna talk about each component on the side. Yesterday in the conference, uh, my colleague had highlighted a lot about uh, fraud education, which is related to training. I'm gonna talk about it, but uh, not in the way he had, uh, he had uh, presented a detail, just to uh, save some time. So a fraud training for me, or when I'm talking about fraud education, fraud education equals anti-fraud awareness training. That is given, and here you need to highlight the following, that is given to all staff. 
at all levels. I'm going to repeat, an effective fraud education is giving the anti-fraud awareness training to all staff, for all staff at all levels. Please, 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 you cannot have that effective training without that. Those trainings should include many aspects and should include those points I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna read and elaborate on the screen in front of you. First of all, an introduction to fraud. A short definition of fraud. Why is it important to fight fraud? Why should employees be aware of the fraud risk and they need to learn about it? What's the importance of learning about it? That's major. The second point, the common ways that fraud could be committed at your company within a specific industry, within this specific cycle, within this specific department, at this job function, we need to be very specific. We cannot, we, we should stop talking about things in a very general aspect. We need to go into the micro level. We need to talk about things in deep, in deep focus, in details. The third thing that I'm gonna talk about it is, uh, it is discussing the areas the company is highly vulnerable to fraud. We need to identify those areas where the company is vulnerable to fraud. And that through using an important tool, which is a fraud risk assessment. Through a fraud risk assessment, you will highlight what's the most risky part of your operation. And you will understand that you need to focus on this part and you need to give less attention to other parts. That's important and that's major. If you don't know what risk you have, what risk you're facing, that's a total problem. You are putting yourself in a very bad position. After that, uh, following that, we're gonna talk about how fraud is being detected. How fraud, what fraud looks like? How, how does it look like? What are the elements of a suspicious behavior of a fraudsters? To whom should we report it? To outside parties, to inside parties? Do we have a hotline? Do we talk to HR department? Do we, do, we, do we have a legal department? Things need to be clarified. Things need to be clarified on how to detect it. The second thing, which is I also had mentioned right now, how to report it using what? In an anonymous, anonymous reporting mo model, through a hotline, uh, through email, through a phone, in person, what is the method? What are the methods used in reporting fraud. Whom should receive those information? Who should receive it? Is it the HR? Is it the audit? Is it the fraud uh, committee, uh, fraud fighting committee? Do you have compliance, uh, compliance department? Uh, I don't know. You need to clarify it. You need to tell your employees at all levels to whom they need to report in case they had witnessed any kind of fraud. What to do with the tips and, and the hints that come from whistleblowers. We need to explain, we need to educate people, we need to educate our employees on how tips are evaluated and what are the follow-up steps. They need to know the process. For them, it is very important to know what's coming ahead. They cannot be helping you and detecting fraud if you don't tell them what's coming next. They need to know the process. You need to tell them that you're gonna protect their identity. 
how are you going to protect their identity? How can you uh, help them from retaliation? How can you protect them? How is the whistleblower whistleblowing policy implemented? They need to know all those details and, and to have this fraud education, effective fraud education uh, training uh, uh, sessions. Last but not least, whom to contact, and I've mentioned a while ago, you need to specify what party is responsible for handling such information, who, how is it handled, who handles it, why him, why her, why this department. All those points are important, and if one of them is missing in the educational part of the fraud, anti-fraud uh, program, it becomes an ineffective useless program. It's very important to raise awareness in the most effective way for everyone. And I highlight for everyone with no exception. Okay, so we were talking about the three parts, education, investigation, and prevention. We finished education, we're gonna move forward to the second part of the anti-fraud program, it is the investigation. And here I'm gonna highlight uh, within the investigation component, three important parts, as you can see on the screen. Even if management uh, truly believe they implement the most effective internal controls and they have the most new technologies in place and that uh, there is rare occurrence of employee fraud or occupational fraud within their entities, we still need to have and work on the investigation part of the program. That is a must, and I'm, you're gonna understand why in a bit. And ideally, the need of the investigation will decrease as prevention control increase. So if you have those preventive, proactive preventive controls in place and they are effective, the need for a fraud investigation will decrease. They have opposite relationship, but still you do, you do need to have it. So let's say that you have a fraud incident in company. What happens with that? How do you deal with that? So it's very important to be prepared for facing fraud cases. We need to be prepared on handling investigation process because employees, when employees see that the company is investigating suspicious actions, misconducts by managers, employees, those same company, those same employees will, uh, will not engage themselves in fraudulent acts. And this will send a message across the whole company that management takes fraud seriously and, they, and that management has zero tolerance when it comes to fraud virus. As you can see, and I've mentioned uh, a while ago, there are three components, identifying fraud indicators, evaluating internal controls, uh, tracking fraud incidents. In the first part, identifying fraud indicators and monitoring the process is major. And here I would highlight that management should be aware of the red flags and need to indicate fraud within the company through those red flags, through managing those red, managing those red flags and need to develop processes for evaluating those evidences, those tips, those hints, those weaknesses and commence an investigation when needed and where needed. They cannot just ignore any kind of hint, ignoring indicators fraud indicators is a big problem. 
The second part of the investigation component is evaluating the controls themselves. Evaluating fraud in the context of assessing the company's internal controls is very crucial and very critical in the program. Here, it's worth mentioning that many companies do this, but trust me, uh, don't uh, do this, but in a very uh, shy way. They don't evaluate it uh, thoroughly. They don't give it that much of attention. And I, sometimes I just get surprised that huge companies uh, lack such important aspect within their uh, uh, internal control framework. Okay, uh, one note I want to mention here in evaluating internal control that conducting an investigation provides an ideal opportunity for us to examine the current controls involved in the fraud. It gives, it gives us a clear understanding of the controls of what's going to happen because we are here. We need to take it on a different level. Knowing yourself you are at one point when it comes to internal control and knowing that you need to be on a different level is important. So that's why evaluating internal controls is a major part of the investigation component. Investigators, uh, fraud examiners, internal auditors should play a very important role in evaluating those controls. And they need to recommend more practical controls to create this strong immune defense system within the company. And they have a responsibility. You are responsible to do that. You are responsible to evaluate controls. You are. Last but not least, I'm going to talk about tracking fraud incidents. Tracking fraud incidents and analyzing what occurred as fraud incidents, understanding who is involved, analyzing the controls that I've mentioned after testing them and utilizing those findings in a way that helps us protect the company from future fraud. It's not only that we had investigated and managed the fraud incident, it's about how we track it how we evolve, how we use those lessons learned in helping us getting a better immune system. Trust me, each fraud case will give you valuable intelligence that can help you refine trainings, refine policies, refine procedures, and will definitely prevent future frauds from happening. Moving forward, uh, I'm gonna talk about the last component uh, for today, which is fraud prevention. I'm gonna check the timing. Okay, uh, fraud prevention is the last uh, important aspect of the program after the education and investigation. And it's one of the most significant components. And here, when it comes to cost, time and effort, compared to the previous two components, prevention is the most costly when it comes to time and effort and finances. And these components, internal controls need to be developed and need to be implemented and put in place. We need to start developing appropriate internal controls within the company. And we must always start from one basic tool, which is the risk assessment. The risk assessment is a very important, important, uh, is a very important uh, tool that we need to use effectively. We need to take it seriously. Risks assessment is a very serious tool. We need to use it effectively. 
Uh, I'm gonna, as you can see on the screen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna mention the steps that needs that are needed to create a proactive uh, risk assessment. Uh, as you can see on the screen, we need to ensure step one. We need to ensure that the participants in the risk assessment need to understand the business you're working in, kind of a business acumen. You cannot involve people who don't understand the business, who don't understand the risks that are facing the company. Uh, we cannot have them part of this team. You need to understand the business. Part, step two, we need to ensure that we, those participating in the evaluation, we need to, sorry, I'm reading step two, we need to identify the functional areas that needs to be assessed. And we need to develop processes. We need to uh, have flowcharts uh, drafted and created and designed to ensure that all areas are evaluated. What's the current situation and what's the best effective situation for those controls and, and those, uh, those uh, internal controls to be implemented. Number three, and I'm reading on the screen, we need to identify significant accounts in our accounting system to be evaluated. We need to specify and we need to highlight what are the most risky accounts that we need to keep an eye on. We need to classify those transactions that we need to examine always because they might hold high risk of fraud. And we need to keep an eye on those people managing those transactions those systems, those areas. Step four, we need to examine the company's financial reporting objectives and assess the risks that surround them. Financials numbers speak out loud. They are not just a couple of numbers that we print and we discuss in our business meetings, quarter meetings. They speak out many things, they speak loud. You need to look and dig deep into those numbers. They speak a lot of things they hide a lot of things that you've never seen before. And at one point of time, you're gonna regret not looking into them. Step five, we need to acquire a detailed understanding of the company's current control activities, and we need to test them to determine how effective they are, if they are implemented in the right way. Are they working? How are they affecting? Are they doing their job? Uh, are they effective? It's major, it's important. Step six, we need to determine the effectiveness of the control. Uh, I've read that. Step seven, we need to evaluate the deficiencies and begin the deficiencies that we had discovered in step six after having the effective control assessment of the controls we have, we have findings. We need to evaluate those findings. Those findings comes come in a form of deficiencies, loopholes, weaknesses. We need to understand those deficiencies and begin developing an immune system for our company. For one reason, to mitigate risks and specifically fraud risk. I think uh, I, think I have highlighted in, uh, in a very, uh, very, uh, very fast way let me put it in this way. Unfortunately, I just have an hour. Uh, I highlighted the most important components of the anti-fraud program. It's education, it is investigation, and it is a prevention. 
So in summary, to have an effective anti-fraud prevention vaccine program that we had discussed today, and to have this, we need to increase, if we had this implemented as for the strategy and for the program, this will increase our resistance and will reduce uh, I'll increase our resistance towards fighting fraud and will reduce our chances of getting infected, getting infected, sorry, by the fraud risk. Once the whole, once the whole organization is resistant, once the whole organization is resistant, fraudsters, trust me, fraudsters will run away. They will walk away and they will target easier targets. When they see all those controls, when they see that all those aspects have been worked by the company, by top management, by parties, concerned parties, they will never think about committing fraud at your company. It's not just a simple vaccination program. It's very important program based on strategy and a lot of components that we had discussed. Improving the resistance of fraud by implementing effective risk management from top to down is major and will definitely give you a competitive advantage. And at this point of time, I will uh, end uh, the, I will end the, the presentation by saying for time constraints, now it's more than 54, 55 uh, minutes. I know we need to end the conference. I want to end the session uh, and uh, would like to thank the organizers, first of all, for their efforts, the C1 conference organizers. I would like also to thank the speakers uh, for, their, for their sharing their knowledge and attendees for sure for their time and attention. Uh, please, if you have any kind of questions, uh, please reach out to us at ACFE Lebanon. Uh, get in touch with me in person on LinkedIn and Twitter using the handles you can see on the screen. Uh, I would also uh, uh, invite everyone to contact me in person uh, to share with them risk assessment uh, templates that they can use in their companies. Please feel free to contact me on the email you can see on the screen or reach out to me on LinkedIn. One last note before I hand the mic back to my colleague Eli, I would like to invite everyone here on the call to listen to my podcast, the Let's Talk Fraud. This podcast will share information and give you listeners, you will give you, sorry, will give you as listeners an insight into the world of fraud schemes and provide you tips and hints on how to prevent yourself, how to detect fraud and to take actions against fraudsters. You can find it wherever you get your podcast or just Google it, Let's Talk Fraud Podcast. Uh, last but not least, on behalf of ACFE Lebanon Chapter, thank you for joining me today, joining us uh, in this conference. Ali, back to you. Uh, thank you, Sultan. I'm not sure if you can. Can you hear me? Yes. Uh, all right. Thank you, Sultan. Um, I'm having a, a little bit uh, some disturbance in my uh, connection. Thank you for the value. Eddie, we cannot hear you. How to fight Please fraud. Hear. Sure. Uh, My pleasure. Can you hear me? Can you yes, hear yes, me now? Yes, yes. Please go ahead, Eddie. Okay. Thank you so much. Um, now we're uh, ready to receive any questions, if anyone has any. One question, if it is possible. Please go ahead. Yes. Uh, sorry, per uh, my understanding, fraud is associated with intentional action uh, by uh, committed or by uh, performed by one person or a group of persons. 
for personal benefits uh, at the account of organization or public interests. Among the examples you provided, Mr. Sultan, you spoke about this faulty ignition uh, for a car company. The GM, the GM, yes. yeah, the GM standard. Yes. Yes. Is, it, uh, is this, is this uh, intentional action or it is a failure in uh, manufacturing, although there are victims? Yani how can yeah. we consider this as a fraud? Mr. Mohammed, uh, fraudsters okay. always do things in intention, and in one intention, it's personal gain. They don't care about the people. They killed more than 124. Uh, they killed more than 124. They made the company pay millions of dollars. They don't is it care. intentional? What is they it... care? Yeah, it is intentional. It is intentional. All fraudsters will do things by intention. They will not do it because it happened coincidentally. It's intentional. And that's part of being a fraudster. In manufacturing mistakes happening all the time. And as a fraud, maybe this Volkswagen case when they... Uh, uh, That's true. You, uh, they you understated... Volkswagen, Volkswagen yes, was they... also an intentional... Was an intentional this was a clear intentional, intentional action. But in this case, not clear to uh, for uh, viewer or for... Uh, Thank you for your question. If you look into details and if you want, please reach out after the after the session. I will provide you with uh, with more uh, articles and even documentaries about that. And they highlight the intentionality of the aspect of the okay. scan. Okay. Great. Great. Thank so, you. Fraudsters will always work on intention, being having their uh, actions intention. Elite. Uh, does anyone does anyone have any other question? Anyone? Uh, so I guess. I would, uh, yes, yes, Sultan. Yes, uh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna uh, share with you on the in the chat because I'm getting now uh, a lot of a lot of personal uh, personal messages about my podcast. I'm gonna share with you the link for the podcast. Uh, so everyone can access, sorry, no, I think you've received it, no. Okay, uh, please reach out to me in person and I'll for sure share with you, uh, I'll share with you the, the links, okay? That's all, all for right. me, thank you so much again. Thank you, Sultan. Uh, I think we've, we have reached our uh, 